Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what? What are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. For Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Uh, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. I hope you've had as good a Monday as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It's great to have you on board wherever you're finding us, however you're finding us. The number to call to have your say on the news of the day because that's what we do on the Macca's Run, recap the major stories of the day and see if we can add to them in any way, shape or form. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Off the temper text, temper a mattress like no other. The Macca's Run all for the Macca's Hamburger. You can score it for just two bucks. Um, plenty to get through today. So uh, the Surioli situation at Hawthorne is a... Uh, is a very big story and it's a complex one as well to try and help us through some of the nuance uh, of that and the subtleties uh, of, of this and to give his view uh, on the situation. Um, f- uh, former Essendon player, Indigenous man, Courtney Dempsey, who works with the AFL in their Indigenous and multicultural space. Um, Proud while you war man is going to join us to, to give us his take on it and, and just to maybe explain some of the, the aspects of this where people are saying it's all this about a pair of jeans and why it's not just all about a pair of jeans. So looking forward to catching up with Courtney Dempsey. Plenty to get through today and some of the big things that are making news. Uh, we're still basking in the glow uh, of the Aussies World Cup win. Uh, this was the moment. Catch it. Backing back, backing back. That's the catch. The five-year master plan has come to fruition for Australia. They have what they came for. It's the World Cup title. They reinvented themselves after the semi-final of 2017. They've reinvented themselves into one-off, if not the best team we've ever seen. Uh, That is a great line uh, in that bit of audio. The greatest team we have ever seen. I want to ask you about that because that's my question off the back of this. Is our current Australian women's cricket team the greatest Aussie sports team of all time? There is absolutely an argument to be made that our women, this this team, is the greatest Aussie sporting team of all time. When you have a look at their record, um, when they went fully professional in 2017, by the way, they lost a World Cup in 2017, but since then, they actually haven't lost anything. They've lost a game here and there. I think, think it's actually close to 30 one-day internationals in a row that they've won, but they've won two Ashes campaigns since then. They've won two T20 World Cups since then. They've won now a one-day international World Cup since then. And when you look at the greats, and I'll play Alyssa Healy. Alyssa Healy spoke to Jared a little earlier. Uh, her, her incredible innings in this match, and rightly player of the match, 170, the highest ever score by an Australian at a World Cup, the only player to go back-to-back tons in a semi uh, and a World Cup final. One of the all-time great individual performances, but in around a team performance, 
where I cannot think of a team that has been better than them. You, you tell me. 0433 98 11 16 1300 Is this team the greatest Aussie sporting team of all time? When you have a look back at the record, so when Healy started in 2010, uh, Elise Perry started in 2008, so you've got Lanning who started in 2010, Haynes in 2009, Megan Schutt in 2012. So a lot of the core of the team have been there for well over a decade. But since 2010, they've only lost one quad series. They've only lost two Ashes. And they lost a World Cup in 2017. They've won something like 22 series over the last decade or more and have barely lost a thing. And they haven't lost anything since 2017. 1-300-736-736-0433-98-1116. That's my question to you. Is this side the greatest Australian sporting team of all time? Their record is undeniable. So I'm going to ask you, tell me a team that has performed better one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Come with your facts. Come with your figures. I've got mine. You bring yours. Uh, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh, Elisa Healy spoke to Jared Whateley. Her reaction to the win early this morning. Yeah, it probably hasn't quite sunk in just yet. Um, what we've managed to achieve, but um, yeah, yesterday was a really special day, and um, all the girls were definitely were able to, to celebrate last night, which was cool. Celebrated like champions. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of young girls in the group, so um, they definitely celebrated like champions, like absolute idiots at times, but um, <laughs> I guess you're allowed to do that. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It didn't it didn't feel like it at any point out there either that, um, you know, something like that was happening until I think Moon said at one point to me, oh, God, she looked up at the scoreboard. She said, oh, God, you can make 200 here. And I didn't even – I hadn't even looked at the scoreboard to see what was going on. But, um, yeah, it was just – it was – it was just nice to be able to get the team into a winning position and um, I guess to be able to, to put a big score on the scoreboard like that. I've never done anything like that before in my life. So uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Uh, an incredibly cool moment. That's uh, probably not even doing justice out of the words, the words from Elisa Healy with Jared Whateley earlier today, sen.com.au to hear the full chat. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tell me a greater performed Australian sporting team than our women's cricketers. Adam in Montrose says, come on, Sam, that's the most woke piece I've yet to hear. The women's cricket question mark. I don't think so. Adam, just throwing the term woke at me isn't going to win you an argument. This has got nothing to do with gender. This is about facts and figures. So if you want to tell me I'm wrong, give me the reasons. Give me the figures. Give me the facts. Give me the stats. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm going to bring that segment back this year. Tell me why I'm wrong. Um, we might even do it here. This was going to be the opener when I did tell me why you're wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Thank you, Dr. Cox. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm going to say that the Australian women's cricket team is the best performed and the greatest performed Australian sporting team of all time. You can tell me how I'm wrong and where I'm wrong. one 736 736 uh, Bill's in Caram Downs. G'day, Bill. Uh, g'day, Sam. Um, all, all credit to the cricket team. And um, I think they're definitely right up there. But um, most of us, I think all of us are too young to remember that uh, Bradman led the Invincibles who were undefeated on a tour of England and, and you know, across a huge number of games and won a test series and 
back in the Alan Jones era, there was a Australian rugby team that uh, I think they won the Grand Slam in Europe undefeated and also won a World Cup. And they were a pretty awesome team. Over what period of time? Uh, nowhere near as long as our women's cricketers, yep. which is, what, five years? Uh, well, even more. But, I mean, you can you go know, back to 2010 and they've barely lost anything. A few, a, a couple of series. Uh, since 2010, they've lost a quad series, two Ashes. That was 13-14. And they lost the 2017 World Cup. They actually haven't lost a series against another country since 2013. Yeah, and there's a lot of countries that have never defeated Australia in women's cricket. Yep. So, you know, we, we've... And I think England is the most successful team against the Aussies, and their, their win rate is about 30%. So, you know, so it's... You're starting, you know, to, come around, you're starting to come around to me now, Bill. <laughs> yeah, oh, like I said, no, I said at the start, yeah. they're, they're, they're definitely up there, and I think they're also up there too as a really popular group, a really popular team that represents us, because, you know... Our men's cricket has let us down from time to time and our rugby teams are nowhere near what they used to be. And, the, you know, our women's football team, women's football team and our women's cricket team, I think, are two of the, the most popular teams in, in the country. Bill, thanks for the call, mate. Yeah. Greatly appreciated. Richard's in North Caulfield. G'day, Richard. Uh, hello. Good afternoon. You there? Good afternoon. I'm here. You're on the air. Uh, look, look. I, you know what? I love the women's cricket team, but I think when you start using the term great, you can certainly rely only on statistics. When you use the term greatest, it's got to be more than just statistics. It's got to be the time, the era, the competition, et cetera, et cetera. And I know just in, in my own lifetime, gee, you know, the side that started Langer, Hayden, Ponting, Warren, McGrath, War, I mean, they had a, a world record winning streak in the amount of tests that they won. So yeah. is the greatest cricket argument. team of all? Is the greatest cricket team of of all a team that has won a record number of Test matches? And some would say that's the ultimate form of cricket. Or the team, like statistically, if you look at it, but you know the, the women's team don't play as many Tests. So yeah, and that's probably I, I that's, think, yeah, it's probably why Richard that I that I don't make the direct comparison because they don't play the same amount of Tests and they don't play the same kind of season. But just in what they play and just with their results. It's hard to find a team that has performed as consistently and successfully over a decade like this team has. Yeah, but I, I think the thing is, though, is that, yep, over a decade, but I think that that doesn't mean they're the greatest of all time. That means over over a 10-year period. That's okay. Be, that's what, hey, that's what this is all about, Richard. You tell me who is, though. Yes. You tell me who is. Oh, the, 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 greatest, team of all, the greatest team of all time. From a cricket point of view, it would either be the Invincibles, as people spoke about with Bradman, mm-hmm. or, or I would say my own lifetime. I, I remember that, that Steve Ward test side of the early, early 2000s. It was the world record. No one had won as many tests in a row as that side. Surely that's got to count for something being the greatest. Great argument. Great argument, Richard. I, the uh, And, hey, but given that they only played X amount of test matches, that's probably, that's probably a closer comparison. Uh, but I appreciate the call. Thanks for ringing in. My pleasure. Uh, 1-300-736-736. I love this. So we're off and running. I, I, 
What makes me laugh is that there are people very upset by this off the text. Don't get upset. Just throw back an argument. Just come back with something. Don't get upset. You don't need to get upset by it. one 736 736 98 is the Tampa text line. Tampa, a mattress like no other. A bit of other things going on at the moment. I'll read through some of the texts that are coming uh, about the uh, the greatest Australian sports scenes, the best performed Australian sporting teams of all time. Uh, a fair few not agreeing, a fair few agreeing. It's good. I like it. Uh, one 736 um, John in Taylor's Lakes, we'll get to you in just a minute. I want to talk about the booing of Joel Selwood. That's, had, that's caused some interesting opinions to be given on the station today. We'll talk about that next as well. Uh, this is the Macca's Run. You can get the, uh, the you can get a Macca's hamburger for just two bucks. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Welcome back to the Macca's Run, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Brad in Point Cook. G'day, Brad. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good, thanks, buddy. What do you got for me? Just a couple of points. First of all, on the Aussie cricket team, yeah, I agree with 100%, especially with the fact you look at the men's sides, they get to play so often. Mm. The women don't. and they've had, A lot of it, they've had to put hands in their pockets themselves and they haven't had what the men have had and to do what they've done. Like, it's just exceptional. You look at what the men are saying about it on social media. Like, you're just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Good on them uh, with what they've sort of been through. I don't have to get to make that happen. And my second point is on the Joel Seller building. I was actually there, and he only got booed after he did what he did to Ginevan, and there was a few of us actually thought if it was someone else, well, was that actually a reportable offence? And that's... That's why he got the well. That's why we or we were the people beside us were sort of doing that. Was what was coming up was because his behaviour on the night wasn't sort of what we sort of expected from someone like that. Yeah, so, I'm going to play yeah, a bit of what um, what Bucks had to say and what Nathan Jones had to say about that. And I uh, can understand both sides uh, of the argument when it comes to Joel Selwood. I, I don't think there was really anything in his entanglement with Given Ginevan from the one that I saw. Um, and I called that game. I was lucky enough to have called that game and, and was wrapped to a Bernardo. It was one of the games of the year. I, I, I'm fascinated as to, like, I didn't think there was much in that at all. And, and what I loved about, what I actually love about Jack Ginevan, I know Kane doesn't like it. I do like it. I like when a young player comes in and has, is full of brash, um, you know, bravado, that will get knocked out of him at some point in time. And maybe that was the night. It's like, okay, if you want to be cheeky, if you want to serve it up, and I love that he does, by the way, um, then this is what you'll get. So I don't actually think there was anything really wrong with what happened between he and Selwood, the one that I saw when it was just the two of them. I don't know what happened at the bottom of the pack after the Selwood got run down in the free kick. I couldn't really see anything there either. So I don't actually think there was anything that bad that Selwood had done. So, But the boos were were... Like, they were substantial. Like, it was full on. And I was curious to think, gee, it's a pretty big milestone that this bloke's breaking tonight. Um, Steve Kernan's had that record for a long time, 226 games as captain. I don't think that the, 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 the venom in the booze matched the crime. I don't think the punishment from the crowd fit the crime. I think it was an absolute overreaction. And one of the things that I thought of, Brad, when I was watching it is, and I found it quite ironic, is I remember how upset Collingwood fans were when Scott Pendlebury was booed on Anzac Day. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was here that day too. Yep. 
Yep, I'll do that day too. And yeah. I didn't like it when they when Essendon fans booed Scott Pendlebury uh, on that day. And I'm not sure how much I loved them booing Joel Selwood. I do think there's a place, you know, in, we do a segment on this show called Heroes and Villains on a Monday night on the Sporting Capital. But I, I thought it was an overreaction. I really did think it was an overreaction to something that didn't seem to be all that substantial with Ginevan. Yeah, and I think they say too, it's like the players are ahead of the moment. I think with, with watching, I mean, I'm a Collingwood supporter, watching the long come back, the the, uh, the fans get ahead of the moment as well. And that's what you sort of, you know, it, it works both ways, I suppose. It doesn't yeah, it, I, um, it's interesting. I, I don't think he, he didn't care. He's not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, but some people certainly did find it disrespectful. This is what Nathan Buckley had to say on SEN this morning. No, unacceptable. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. I think that um, I understand the emotions that um, that come with following your team and witnessing you know, a great contest before your eyes. And and there is a um, a cathartic effect of going to the footy where we release those emotions, yes. you know, anger, stress, etc., and we get um, emotionally involved. I think cheer as loud as you want, hoot and holler as loud as you as loud as you like, but I, I just think booing or denigrate, denigrating someone is just not something that needs to happen. That you, doesn't mean that uh, I don't understand it, but I just don't like it. When I, when no, I hear I, it, I don't like it. If I'm sitting in, in a crowd or I'm sitting in an environment or, and I see it, I just think well, that's, it's, it's disrespectful. No, I didn't like it in the context of the weekend's game. That's for sure. He's an absolute Joel, obviously. So it is yep. an absolute great of our game. And um, you know, I understand it. And you know, from a, a supporter's point of view, if you know something happened in the game, whether it you know be a dubious free kick or whatever, um, I can understand that just from a, sort of like a bit of banter. But as far as just the, I felt I felt like on the weekend it was just a almost a blatant disrespect to one of the greats of the game, like. You know, I think if anything, he should have been getting cheered and um, supported for the milestone that he achieved. And I didn't like, yeah, I didn't like the look of that. Uh, so that was Nathan Buckley first, uh, and then Nathan Jones on SEN today. A couple of people texting me saying, um, "You are taking the P one double five. You think putting someone in a headlock is nothing wrong? Uh, the headlock from Selwyn Given was pretty dirty, Sam. Yeah, but he didn't do that unsolicited, did he? So what I'm saying is, I'm not having a crack at Jack Ginnivan here." You can't tell me that Jack Ginneman didn't get in the face of Joel Selwood and instigate a little bit what happening. And that's sort of something that's crept in. And we're glad that we don't punch each other anymore, although the AFL still doesn't suspend people for doing it. But we don't punch anyone anymore. We don't have the biff bumps and brawlers. You know, we're not taking people out and, and doing acts of thuggery. But when you take that out of the game, what it does mean is that people can be very lippy. People can be very antagonistic, knowing that nothing's really going to happen to them out there. And I'm all for Jack Ginnaman playing with a bit of spunk and being in people's faces. But there are sometimes repercussions for doing that. And Joel Selwood is a great of the game. And that was his night, uh, a special night for him. And Jack Ginnaman, hey, and I love it. Tried to unsettle him, tried to take that, you know, tried to get under his skin. That's all well and good. But you can't just expect to get away with certain things. And if there was something that Joel Selwood did that was suspendable and reportable, he would have been reported. So, again, I watched it, the entanglement with him and Jack Ginnam, and I thought, did that warrant the sustained and very, very aggressive booing that he copped on a record-breaking night for him? Yeah, I don't reckon it did. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Ian's on the road. G'day, Ian. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. 
good. Uh, look, I'll preface it by pointing out that I am a Carlton fan, so some people might think I'm a little bit biased, but I don't think I'm that biased. I'm taking it one era at a time. Um, the best uh, Australian team of all time, though, has to be the 1906-07-08 through to 1914 uh, Carlton five-time premiership side. I just missed yeah. them, Ian. I, I just missed them I, by I, a couple of years. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I missed them too, but when I was yep. uh, 12 years of age, yeah. sorry, 11 years of age, still smarting from the uh, loss of the 73 grand final due to, shall we say, muscular tactics. Uh, never seen John Nichols hurt before in my life. It was amazing. Um, I was given the solace being taken down to the pub by my old man, and there was this guy who I thought must have been older than Methuselah. They were arguing about whether the Burke Barrett Clay or the Burke uh, Stewart uh, Clay centre lines were, were better. It was agreed that the Burke Barrett Clay had it. It was the best centre line since the war, and the old fellow said, yep, and the war before that. But before that, I saw Carlton in 1906-07-08. He said, uh, Kennedy, we Roddy McGregor. They couldn't be beaten. So that's good enough for me, my friend. There you go. No, I love it. Thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. It's a great nomination. Thank you, mate. Uh, Dan's in Bo Morris. G'day, Dan. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Listen, the, um, I'm listening to you tonight about the uh, Australian women's cricket team. I guess the end of the day, the proof's in the pudding. The Laureus World Sports Awards in France. Mm. Now, the last time, I think it was 2005, 2006, the Sydney football team got nominated. Now, that will be the proof in the pudding. Okay. If they get a nomination and win, I think we can really just stamp it and put the seal on it. Beautifully done, Dan. Thank you for the call. Greatly appreciated. Hey, Courtney Dempsey's going to join us next, uh, and then we'll keep taking your calls on one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Uh, someone saying... Um, <laughs> Oh, I've lost that text. If you're talking about sports entertainment, I'm sure at WrestleMania, the crowd chant, you suck. Yeah, a little bit different. A little bit different. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. the temper text, temper, a mattress like no other. On the other side of the break, Courtney Dempsey to join us uh, to give his view on the Cirrioli Hawthorne situation. That's next on the Macca's Run. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. For Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Uh, close contact. Okay. So if we could just get rid of the close contact rule, Dan, <laughs> that would be terrific. Make everyone's life a hell of a lot easier. Six seconds of audio that have become one of the biggest stories of the day. Um, amazingly, uh, that was front page stuff from Damien Hardwick and his presser uh, after Richmond's loss to St Kilda over the weekend, and hasn't that blown up the luck? So much so that Damien Hardwick has tweeted, to clarify my comments post-match regarding the rules around close contacts were tongue-in-cheek in reference to the fact that we missed Sydney Stack on the weekend. Nothing more. People far better place than myself put these rules in place to support the efforts of our healthcare workers. There we go. And that is it. Put that to bed right now. That was one of the great mountains made out of a molehill um, that I can remember of recent times. Yeah, that the fact that that got like front page, Jordan, that just extraordinary. For an off the cuff like tongue, like if you couldn't tell that it was tongue in cheek, what are we doing? Anyway, so that's all done. Thank you. We put that one to bed. We are all done. Uh, off the text, mate. We go to the footy to support our own club. If supporters boo another team's player, what's the big deal with it? It's all in good fun and adds atmosphere. I'm sure Joel didn't mind one bit, but the media sure do. Why? 
Uh, well, one of the things that I found quite ironic about it to that texture is that I was on air the day uh, that Collingwood fans were up in arms about Scott Pendlebury being booed by Essendon fans when he got up to uh, accept the medal uh, on Anzac Day. I didn't like it then. I thought it disrespected the occasion of the day and also the accomplishment of the player. Uh, and I'm on the fence whether I liked it or not on a, a record-breaking night. I don't like when... I don't like in Indigenous round when I saw Port Adelaide fans booing Hawthorne's Indigenous players that used to play for them. Now, I know you boo players from your other from the clubs that left you. I think that is a great part of the theatre of AFL, but you don't do it in Sir Doug Nichols' round. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a time and there's a place, and sometimes we're there to celebrate someone as opposed to run them down. Anyway, I can understand. I, I do like the theatre of the footy uh, as much as anybody. I do a segment called Heroes and Villains. But it did just seem a little off. It did just seem a little off uh, on that occasion. Uh, off the text, St George Rugby League team that won 11 premierships in a row. It's a world record. That's the best Australian sporting team of all time. That's a very good nomination. That's food for thought uh, on that one as well. Um, the Surioli uh, situation, uh, Carolyn Wilson's article in The Age uh, over the weekend, is uh, it's fair to say has rocked footy in a way. We have now have another grade of the game um, not feeling like they want anything to do with um, not just not not the game overall, as Cyril said, he would still help out and be involved with other clubs, but certainly not with the club that he won four premierships and a Norm Smith medal uh, at. So it's um, a really sad situation. And to get some perspective on it, um, wanted to speak to uh, Courtney Dempsey, 133 games for the Bombers, a proud Wallyuwara man and he's been good enough just to try and work us through some of the subtleties of this the intricacies uh, of this and to give us his perspective on this doing great work uh, with the AFL in their indigenous and multicultural programs he's been good enough to jump on the line with us uh, Courtney thanks so much for being with us no worries mate no, thanks for having me as well so I'm sure you've read uh, Carolyn Wilson's article in The Age, um, having a chat to Cyril Rioli and his wife Shannon what did you what was your takeaway how did you feel when you were reading it yeah, it's a very mixed one, I suppose. Um, obviously, uh, we, we we have been striving to eliminate, you know, racism within the sport and within within the world, I suppose, more so. Um, but yeah, within within the sport of AFL, we have been um, striving to um, get go in the right direction. And um, but yeah, this is definitely a, a, a bit of a, a dampening. Um, event because of the simple fact that we've, we've tried so hard to work towards uh, uh, an outcome within the industry, but obviously we all do know that it is going to take time. When you when you're reading the article, and I, and I and I know you weren't there, so you can't comment on Hawthorne itself as a, a you know a, what that what was happening at that club at the time. But when you were reading about some of the experiences that, that Cyril and Shannon were talking about in that article, did, did any of those ring true from your experience as an Indigenous player at an AFL footy club? I think there is a, a few subtle, you know, I, I felt within my, uh, when, within my career when I was playing. So my, my experience, obviously, it just feels, you, you, you feel you do like for me in particular, I felt that I had to really push harder than a lot of the other um, other other players to prove myself um, with with every aspect of every part of the game, and and it it, it does feel that that's 
what is expected of you compared to other other um, players within the organisation, and, and and you do find that a lot of like for me, I find that a lot, I found that a lot of other players would were getting you know treated a lot lot more or not as a lot more fair than than what I was, but yeah, there's there's definitely a different, uh, definitely other um, other ways or other um, things that happen throughout that my career, though. Yeah, and how does that show itself? And and I'm, without trying to paraphrase what you said, is that in the, in terms of well, the clubs drafted me now, and you felt like you had to do more to show that you were, that was going to be an investment that paid off than maybe non-indigenous players um, had to show. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's probably what I I had um, in my uh, and 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 look, this is this is in my mind. I don't know whether it, it is, but that's, mm. this is what I felt, and, yep. and 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 it does feel like that that we uh, like that uh, myself as an indigenous man had to prove more consistently with with the way we played, the way we trained, the way our professionalism had to be. We had to be right on point, which really deterred me away or took me away from my family, took me away from my kids and, and, and really, really pushed towards focusing on one particular um, thing, which was, which was footy at the time. So... But yeah, it, it does. It, it does. It did to me feel like that. So, Courtney, for people that would read this story and say all this over a pair of jeans, um, explain why that's not what this is all about. If you can, I know. Again, I know that you don't speak on behalf of Cyril, but there's there's a lot more to this than it's not just about a pair of jeans. And and there seems to be a lot of in this article, and I read it where Hawthorne's saying we've done everything we can, we've reached out, we've done. It seems like there's a lot of placating going on or attempts to placate, but maybe not enough not enough attempts to actually just listen to to, to what they're feeling and experiencing. So why is this more than just about a pair of jeans? Yeah, I, I think. A fine example is, I don't know if anyone has ever watched it, but there is this amazing, very confronting doco that um, that has just been aired, I think, a couple of weeks ago called The Ripple Effect. And, you know, they talk about the discussion, or they have a discussion around racism within sports. And it's the Nicky Winmar, um, and, and, and it predominantly talks around the Nicky Winmar incident at uh, Victoria Park. I think it was Vic Park. Um, against Collingwood and 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 also conversations around other players receiving um, derogatory um, messages and and words um, throughout their lives and and it's just a very very confronting but a very very well documented program of um, show to 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 um, reiterate how much individuals hurt mm. and how they are hurt and, um, and and you know going back to the ripped jeans it, it's got nothing to do with that it, it, it's it's as, a, as as I mentioned before I don't know what else was said there in within that conversation that was happening but um, you know for for someone like Cyril to 
um, be up in arms about it. It had to have had a, a very massive impact on him and, he, and his wife, Shannon. So, um, yeah, I, every individual obviously can handle particular um, words, but it, it, it does it does hurt and it cuts deep and it, and it stays within you for a lot longer than than a lot of people may think. And I understand, and for a lot, and I'm sure that Hawthorne is sitting there saying, "Well, we we believe that we were doing everything we should have been doing, and everything that we can do, and um, and we're doing all the education trainings and all that kind of stuff." But Cyril's partner spoke about that reaching out twice to the club and offering um, some advice on how the club could improve its cultural awareness and and welfare programs, and really didn't get much back. Um, so when you hear things like that, and I'm sure that there's people that have said things that have, and and the, in society, I think where well, I didn't mean any offence by it. I didn't mean, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be offensive. I didn't mean any offence. We get very defensive when someone says, "Yeah, that that really hasn't sat comfortably with me," and and we our automatic response is defence and placating, as opposed to listening. Um, so when it comes to what we're doing in footy clubs in in the in in the indigenous space. Do, you, do we sometimes feel like, and when we see whether it be what Tex Walker had to say, or hearing those pr- awful comments that uh, apparently, allegedly, that a, a teammate of Cyril said about uh, another player's, another Indigenous player's partner, um, are we doing a lot of these education stuff? Is sometimes it ticking a box just to say that it's been done, rather than looking at the looking at it a bit deeper about why it's important and and the deeper effects of off the cuff remarks or, or jokes or things like that? Do we need to be digging deeper here? Oh, I, I believe we do. I think, um, you know, we, we, we go around and we say that, you know, we, we, we're part of, of the reconciliation side of things because we have the RAP, you know, the Reconciliation Action Plan. But mm. I, I, I tend to find that a lot of those are tick the boxes um, just, to, just to show that they're, they're doing something, but really they're just, not out there into the communities. They're not supporting any of the communities. There's no support for not no. This is this is just not for um, AFL players in general because mm. there are a lot a lot of community footballers that have been finding it very hard to re-engage with the AFL industry because of the simple fact that the community has not been educated enough. For them to feel safe and comfortable within um, within a community football club, and and that is part of my role here now at AFL Vic, is is to try and in, increase the participation rate throughout the whole um, Victoria, the whole state, um, and make those football clubs very um, welcoming and and understanding of ind- individual communities that are out there because we have so much talent within our within our communities and this just not not indigenous communities this is also multicultural communities as well mm. and um, the ability to have those those communities in our sport shows it, it, it shows the growth in our in our um, ability to reconcile with 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 um, racism. Yeah, and and I think I'm I'm so glad you've come on to be able to share some of this and and your experience and the work that you're doing as well with within the AFL. 
because we, we can have all the greatest intentions in the world and the idea that when we say, well, I didn't mean any offence and, and I didn't mean that bite and I didn't mean this bite, and I believe people when they say that, but I think instead of us rushing to be defensive of ourselves, let's just have a look at it at the moment in our great game, and, and as you say, this goes much further and wider than just the AFL, but at the moment, two of the greatest Indigenous players of all time uh, that we know about, and I'm going to that we know about, Adam Goods and Surioli, two of the most decorated players, let alone Indigenous players, of their time in the game, don't want any part of it. And that is a travesty. That is devastating. That is incredibly sad. So we rush to be defend, you know, to, to, to defend ourselves and, 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 to, and we get defensive very quickly. But this is a real, it, it's such a shame, Courtney, that, that that's a situation we find ourselves in. Now, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, everyone in any sort of circumstance gets defensive when they are told they are doing something wrong. Um, and when they get confronted by anything, um, they do tend to have their backs up and, and fight back in, in a, in a um, uh, probably even worse manner than, than when they are trying to be approached by that person that they've hurt. So, mm. Um, and, and, and look, that happens in, in, in all arguments or disagreements within in all organisations and with, with not even colour being involved, you know. So when we, when we talk about we've got to, we've got to understand or, or educate not only the person that is doing it but also the person that how, how they portray that um, message across to them. How can they confront that person in a, in, a, in a manner that will also educate them and make them understand that what they have done has hurt them deeply. So it, it does come down to that as well, but it, it definitely comes down to educating this next generation on, on how um, words really, really cut deep and they really hold um, for a long time in, in, in a particular person's self. Courtney, it's been great to chat to you. I really appreciate you you're jumping on uh, and, and sharing your thoughts um, and giving us your perspective. Thank you so much, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me as well. Uh, former Bomber and proud while you are a man, Courtney Dempsey, who's now working uh, with the AFL in their Indigenous uh, and uh, multicultural spaces. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 98 Some real rot coming through off the text, unfortunately, uh, from the number ending in 402. Maybe just take a breath. Uh, and go and read the article because I don't think you have. For, for just go and read the article. Just take a breath. Go and read the article. Just open your mind just ever so slightly. Um, that's just a great example of what we talk about now. But rush to be defensive. Uh, so I was pretty. I was pretty saddened. To, I was very saddened to read that over the weekend. I'm a Hawthorne member, and to know that one of our greatest ever um, is so out of love with the club and feels so hurt by what his experience was at the club is devastating. Given what he gave. To the club. Um, Ricky Gervais has got an old saying that just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. And and there's a lot of times in life where that's very true. But in equal measure, it's very true that just because you don't understand why someone's offended doesn't mean that they're wrong. So it's about, it, it's it's give and take on both sides. It's, it, we, it's a little bit about just having a little listen to what's being told. But it is a failure of the Hawthorne Football Club that this, that this is where the situation is at. It is a failure on behalf of the Hawthorne Footy Club, uh, and and that needs to be owned. Um, you cannot you cannot have your president lecturing everybody else on how they govern their own clubs and how the game should be governed and how this should be governed and that should be governed, 
um, and then not own it when your own governance hasn't been up to standard. There's nuance and subtlety and complexity to all this, and your leaders need to understand that. And if you can't, if you can't remove your ego from a situation, um, then maybe you're not the right person to, to be in control. It's not about telling someone your track record and what you've done in Indigenous space. Therefore, you couldn't possibly have said anything offensive. It's about listening to the people that are saying that they have a grievance. Um, it's not just about the genes for people that are texting. It's so much more than that. It's a, it's a continued set of experiences that's occurred. If you read the article, that's explained. And um, it's a real travesty that this is the situation it's that, that the club and, and Cyril and his partner find themselves in. Um, so hopefully that can be reconciled. Hopefully that, that can be reconciled. Um, 0433 is the number. Uh, a bit on the medical sub. Sam Edmund had a really interesting report. I'll bring that to you on the other side of this and looking forward to getting your views on it on the Macca's Run. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. When the AFL brought in the rule last year, just days before round one two, Dwayne, its rule stated that it was only allowed if a club doctor deemed the injured player unfit to not only continue the match, but unfit to play in a match for at least the next 12 days. Now, Gillan McLaughlin did say at the time that he didn't have an issue with the sub player returning early, pointing to, you know, quicker than expected recoveries right across the course of the season. But the exact ruling reads like this. It is reasonably determined the player will be medically unfit to participate in any match for at least the next 12 days. Now, have we slackened right off here? Because (laughs) Chad Wingard was subbed out last week, played this week against the Blues. That was a hamstring issue. Dane Zorko subbed round one, played round two. Thompson Dow subbed round two, plays round three. Jeremy Cameron. Enough, enough. It goes on and on and on. And Michael Voss has said as well that uh, Mark Pitnett will probably be able to play this week as well. So that was Sam Edmund today talking with Dwayne about the medical sub and his belief that we've slacked right off on the um, the monitoring of this, or the AFL has slacked off on the monitoring of uh, monitoring of this, um, and gave the examples of where players have been subbed out only to be playing again next week. And he went back to reference the framework in which this was installed. Um, Mark Pitnett came off late and Jack Martin came on to inject some run and pace uh, in the Carlton lineup that uh, beat Hawks by a point. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is about the medical sub. So this would be very easy to whack on the head quite quickly. Why aren't the AFL releasing a report from their chief medical officer every week? Because the AFL, when this rule was handed down, said that we will look, we will, we will assess every single medical sub that takes place. So each one of those is supposed to be reviewed by the AFL's chief medical officer. And if, and if teams are found to have done the wrong thing, there are some pretty harsh penalties that apply. Where's the report? Why isn't that just made public? I mean, I'm not a big one for conspiracy theories. I believe that the doctors do the right thing. They've got the best interest of the player in mind. And, and I don't, you know, I'd like to believe that we live in a world where this rule isn't being exploited um, to try and win games of footy. I think the doctors have got uh, much... Um, are much more ethical than, than any of that. And I don't really buy into the conspiracy theory of it, but you can knock it all on the head straight away by releasing the report. Tell us, this was reviewed, this is what was found, and this is the outcome of it. You'll knock that on the head very quickly. Whoa! <laughs> still, a, still just jumps out of nowhere, doesn't it? Because um, otherwise, people are going to think that this was just a trade-off that the AFL gave to the clubs uh, for the rotation reduction, which was spoken about uh, at the time. 
and that this has been put in and no one's really bothering to check it and um, and people, if they are getting away with something, nobody's actually monitoring it. We're told that they were supposed to, so I'd like to know from the AFL how it's monitored, where's the report, why isn't it made public? You knock this stuff on the head pretty darn quickly. Uh, Nick Dacos is the Round 3 Rising Star. It was incredible to be there to see him kick his first goal. Uh, it was Tex Wanganeen. I had the pleasure of seeing him get his first. It's one of the greatest parts of our game, the family legacy. Uh, and to see Nick Dacos do that, 26 disposals, five clearances, six score involvements and a goal. He's the NAB Rising Star. Sporting Capital's up next. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.